0: And we're going to be in chapter 3. Well, let's read read the last verse of chapter 2. And then we'll read through uh, chapter 3. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. That does not contradict what I just said. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you, received you the Spirit, by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Of course, Paul's talking about himself there. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him, or counted to him, for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, The same are the children of Abraham. Not what tribe you're from. If you are a child of God by faith in Christ Jesus, you are a spiritual child of Abraham. You are a spiritual Jew. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, that's us, through faith, preached before the gospel, Unto Abraham saying in thee shall all nations be blessed. Now Abraham lived 2,000 years before Christ. 4,000 years ago. Give or take a few years. And the apostle Paul says that the gospel was preached to Abraham. Oh it's a different gospel. Well. Well. If you read the book of Galatians, you find out that the apostle Paul said there is not another gospel. Now how can a Bible believer say that there's another gospel? And a lot of them do it. Paul said emphatically, categorically, yeah you like those words. There is not another gospel. And if anybody brings another gospel. Let him be accursed. He said if we. Or somebody else bring another gospel to you. Let us be accursed. There is not another gospel. And that's what he's saying here. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Well, I'll go on and read a little bit here. Verse 9, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now the Galatians letter is written to Gentile heathen believers in the churches of Galatia in Asia Minor. But here he, he puts them as offspring spiritually of Abraham. And Paul is a national Jew, ethnic Jew. Well, for then he says, for as many as are of the works of the law, that is you determine you're going to work the law in order to get saved. And boy, there's a bunch of them out there. You are under the curse of the law. Now we just sang that song. And talked about the curse of the law. I want you to understand what the curse of the law is. There is nothing wrong with the law of God. The law of God is perfect. Lacks nothing. But it's weak through the flesh that there is no flesh able to keep the law. Therefore, you can't work your way to heaven, and if you've got somebody trying to pull you out to do something else, you're foolish to follow them. That's what he's talking about here. Uh, for as many as the other works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things, which are written in the book of the law to do them. You see, if you're going to, no, I, I could name many so-called denominations, Christian denominations, that teach you that you've got to hold out faithful to the end. You've got to keep the law. And there's many of them that do it. Many of them. It's in their doctrinal statements. Is what they It's what they harp on. But Paul said, if you're under the works of the law, you're also under the curse of the law because you've got to keep every bit of the law from the time you start to the time you quit. Well, when do you start? Well, Job said, I came forth from my mother's womb speaking last. So you started sinning early. Boys and girls, men and women. How long have you been sinning against the three times holy God? Ever since you've been born. Now for some of us, it's a real long time since then. Some of us, it's not that long. But however old you are, it started when you came forth from your mother's womb. Somebody said one time, told me, said uh, children don't lie. Why? They come forth from the mother's womb speaking lies. But here's the, here's the crux, verse eleven. But that no man <laughs> said, well, maybe there's some somewhere. No. He said that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. That means you've got to keep them every one. And you know what? I've talked to a lot of people through the years. I've been at this thing for a while. And I've talked to a lot of people that tell me that they're keeping the law. I said, you're lying right now. And if you broke one, you broke them all. Don't have to go far. Where do we start with the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Have you ever put anything, anybody, before God? (laughs) Like I always say, there ain't no sense going to number two. You can't get by number one. If you say you can, you're lying. You see, if you put nothing before God, you keep God first. You ain't never miss the the house of God. You ain't never not done what God said to do or quit doing what God said don't do. I haven't done it. You haven't done it. If you say you have, you're a liar. That's violating the law, transgressing the law. So... Verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, he ain't talking to the world here. Remember who this letter is addressed to the churches of Galatia, the assemblies of God who have received into them confessed believers who have confessed in Baptist, scriptural baptism and they're assembling with, with the church. That's who he's addressed this to. And if you're not in that condition, he's not talking to you. But he says, Christ hath redeemed us, bought us back from the slave market of our sin, from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, it wasn't without agony, unimaginable agony. He was made a curse for us. And yet he knew no curse. Being made a curse for us. For it is written. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And he hanged on a tree. Not the Jehovah's false witness stake. I believe there was a crossbar on, on the tree. He had to get his hands out there. They wasn't up there. Had three. Greek Hebrew and Latin up. Above his head. They want to make something. He's on a stake. Yeah, he says it's on a tree. What do you think that cross is made out of? Tree, and I believe it's rough saw. Hewn. Hmm. They didn't have uh, sawmills in those days. Rough piece of, piece of wood. I don't know what it's made out of. Somebody said it's made out of dogwood. How do you know that? Where does it say that? didn't say what kind of wood it was. And it wasn't holy wood. It was the same wood that no telling how many had been crucified on it. The thing about the cross is that the Savior of his people was put put to death on the cross. And they knew that he was guilty of nothing. But that's what he came for. That the blessing... Of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's us. Just like the Galatians. Through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the spirit. By faith. Or through faith. Now I'm going to quit right there. On that reading. I could go to the end of it. Because I don't. It's not. That it's not important. It is all of. The whole thing's important. I'd rather just read the whole book of Galatians. But I can't do that. Anyway, the Apostle Paul shoots right straight with them. He don't cut no ice here. He don't cut no slack. Hold your place there and look at Acts 24. I want to tell you about my brother Paul. Acts 24. And at verse 1, after five days of Ananias, the high priest descended with the elders and with a certain orator named Tertullus, who informed the governor against Paul. Now, that's the same Paul we just read after. And when he was called forth, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness. And that very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence. He's blowing smoke there for, all right. We accept it always in all places, most noble Felix. Blowing smoke, isn't it? With all thankfulness, notwithstanding, that I be not further tedious unto thee. I pray thee that thou wouldst hear us of thy clemency a few words. For we have found this man, a pestilent (laughs) fellow, and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Here's our problem. Paul, a pestilent fellow. Now that word for pestilent, look quickly at Matthew 24. Matthew 24 verse 7 for nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines and pestilences same word and earthquakes in divers places now look at Luke 21. And verse 11, and great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines and pestilences. And fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. Now that those scriptures have not much to do with what we're talking about. But those are the only three times in the New Testament that word is used. Twice talking about the plagues of bugs and everything else. That, were, that are going to come on this earth during the, during the pouring out of the wrath of God. But yet, that same word is used to describe the Apostle Paul. Ah, a pestilent fellow. Ah, man alive. Boy, they had a great, great opinion of him, didn't they? Well, you know, as Brother Derek told us this morning, those opinions are not very, very high of Bible believers. They weren't very high of Paul. They weren't very high of the Lord Jesus or any of the others. Why should they be higher against us? But my point is the accusations that go down against us, and it's getting worse. In England and in Canada, and I guess other places across the world, people that actually preach the whole counsel of God uh, are going to jail because they are, they are purveyors of hate speech. Well, do you know what in exclusivity is? That's what we are guilty of. Do you know what inclusivity is? That's what's going on in the religious world and the rest of it too. You can't separate anybody. You can't categorize anybody. They must all be included in everything. And you think that's not going on amongst the churches? It is big time. Uh, I pulled this up. Now this sermon was preached in, I don't know, Protestant church somewhere in 2012. Hadn't been long ago. It was on the subject of baptism. <clears throat> and the preacher said, the pastor said, or whoever it was, there's two types of baptism infant and adult. There are three modes of baptism sprinkling, pouring, and immersion. This was the actual message that was preached in big church. There are three theologies of baptism. One of them is salvific salvation, one is covenantal, and one is testimonial. There are two rituals of baptism. To some, it's a sacrament. To others, it's an ordinance. And at the end of this message, I hope that you'll be able to make up your own mind about what you believe about each category. Is it infant or adult? Is it all right to, or maybe both of them are all right. Or maybe all three—sprinkling, pouring, and immersion—maybe they're all right. Salvific, covenantal, testimonial—all three of them be all right. Sacramental or an ordinance, be all right. Whatever. Now you know what this is. This an inclusivity sermon. What would we say? We'd say infant baptism is absolutely heresy, opposed to the scriptures. We'd say that baptism can only be immersion. That's what the word means. We would say that it's only testimonial. And we would say that it's only an ordinance. And anything else is practicing heresy. Is going 100% opposed to the word of God. And then you know what they would say about us, me, you. That we are exclusivists. And we're guilty of dividing people. Everything that we preach and practice. They would accuse us of being guilty of that. Well, I want you to know, I don't mind answering guilty to the exclusivicity. Right. Because I believe that that it is exclusive. That, that was just an example. But now, we can get them smaller than that. I hear, hear one, and I know there's many of them, Baptist preachers that talk about believers' baptism. Now to some that's that's exclusive to a point. But to we who know the truth, to just say believers' baptism, that's opening the door wide open to alien immersion. Amen. To taking baptism, we believe that there's four points to scriptural baptism. Amen. It must be a proper person. that is one. Who is given evidence that they've been born again saved. Which excludes all infants. Number two. It must be by immersion. That's all the word means. Baptizo. There's volumes written on that. And number three. The proper design. That is. It is testimonial. We're saying in a picture. Preaching the gospel out that Christ died. For our sins was buried and rose up again the third day. And number four, it must be by the proper authority. Now you see, believer's baptism doesn't handle all that. Matter of fact, it might just handle two of those. Because you see, that doesn't talk about... Well, did you believe when you were, before you were baptized? Yes. But why were you baptized? What was the purpose for your baptism? And oh, well, I was baptized at the Campbellite Church. Now, I heard it was allegedly an independent Baptist church some years ago that took in a woman, and I knew her, and took her in and accepted her baptism, and she came from a Christian Campbellite church, and they baptized in order to save you. But they accepted her as she was. Now, it caused a lot of problems because I, I did shoot my mouth off about it, and I'd do it again. Matter of fact, they ain't big enough to stop me. But, and, and, I got a lot of hate over that. But I told the truth. So believers baptism is not a cure all. There was a time years ago people used that. Nobody thought much about it. But since then alien immersion, false baptisms have flooded in to most Baptist churches. And so that's why we can't accept them. All right, so there, now, inclusivity and exclusivity. We are exclusivists, we are not inclusivists. Now let me tell you something else. And I'm not the only one saying this for different reasons, but it's still the same same issue. See, Paul said, who hath bewitched you? And that's where all this is coming from. I put it up on Facebook. I don't know if anybody saw it or not. These theology books, these theologians, they're supposed to be the last word in doctrine, Bible doctrine. Many of them, I'm not going to say most, I'm going to say many of them, have got so much heresy in them, they should never be turned loose amongst God's people. For example, Ken Ham just talked about this on his Facebook Charles Hodge. Many things I agree with him on. But I've known this, as a matter of fact, I've got it marked in the theology book. And in many of them, they all accepted billions and millions of years for the age of the earth. You said, well, that wasn't much of an issue. Really, if this earth is millions and billions of years old, much older than what the, what the genealogies of the Bible prove, that it's approximately 6,000 years old, and you teach that it's billions and millions of years old, you're going directly opposed to the Word of God. Amen. There's not one reason, not one legitimate proof That the universe is 13.5 billion years old and the earth 4.5 billion years old. Not one. Well, these older theologians, they just hadn't had time to study it yet, really. Then they shouldn't have put their mouths where their pen was and publicized all of this. Who hath bewitched you? I I know where much of that bewitching has come from. And there is one. And then they even accept, if you accept those ages, then you accept that Adam and Eve were not the first man and woman. Then you accept that there were, there were generations of human beings before Adam and Eve. And yes, they came up the, the evolutionary trail from little bitty monkey to a little bit big monkey to a human. Don't tell me that you can be a Bible believer and believe that because anybody, I know I saved just before I was nine years old. Do you know what I read the, as an eight, almost nine-year-old kid? I read Genesis, the first chapter. And Genesis 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then he goes on to say, the evening and the morning were the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. And he rested on the seventh. And you know what? I said, that's that's our history. That's where we came from. And when I was in the ninth grade at Lexington Junior High School, that was back in the days they called it the blackboard jungle, not some magnet school they got now but I was in the ninth grade and Miss Williams was my science teacher and I started out being her pet. But when she started telling us that, that we came from ape-like creatures, I held my hand up and I said, "Miss Williams, you might have come from a monkey, but I didn't. I said, God made me. As she turned against me, Locked, stock, and barrel. Right then, and jerked me out of that class and marched me down the hallway to Frog Deacon. His name was Deacon. They called him Deacon Rat Poison, but he was the principal of that school. Anybody remember that? Somebody, surely somebody else alive, that remembers that. And they did their best to kick me out of school over that in the ninth grade. That was used. Ninth grade used to be the last year of junior high school. Somebody said, Oh, well, you ought not to open your mouth and stuff like Really? You keep your mouth shut and I'll keep mine open. Now, I tell you what, I might not have convinced anybody, but they knew one thing that there was somebody there that believed God's testimony. Well, what about people all who are it doesn't make any difference? You're telling me that what God reports in His Word, the, who, the only one who was there. Adam wasn't there when God created the heaven and the earth. Amen. There was nobody there but God. Amen. And he tells, and God cannot lie. Let every man be a liar. God is truth. I like what Brother Brown said. David said, in my, I said in my haste, all men are liars. And Brother Bronze said, Yeah, he could have slowed down and said the same thing. All men are liars. Now, that's on those issues. Strong's, he's an inclusivist. I mean, a ex- yeah, he's an inclusivist. He gave room for people in other religions to get to heaven. That's heresy. What is Paul telling us here in Galatians 3? He also said, Well, the Bible's a good book, even if it's got mistakes in it. <laughs> now, Paul says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath benevolently set forth, crucified among you? I don't know how long ago it was, but I preached on this all of the references from Jesus Christ in the New Testament to him referring to the Old Testament. Did he not say that from the beginning, this is the way it was? God made a man and he made a woman and joined them together? That's the way it was Amen. from the beginning. Did God? Did Christ believe that that the Book of Genesis tells the absolute truth? That it doesn't tell stories; it gives the absolute historical account of everything that happened. Folks, listen to me. We're in God's world. Don't believe what they're telling you, you kids in school don't believe what they're telling you. They lie. Do you think that any one of them, including Bill Nye the science guy, do you think any one of them can give you evidence that this world is billions of years old? Do you know where that came from? It came from a guy named Lyell who invented the ages Uh, Jurassic y'all know about the Jurassic age you've seen that movie those ages don't exist folks I can't name them all now I don't really care to put crowd my brain with all that garbage but those ages do not exist they're lies you can't find that that age of the strata. Anywhere but in a book that's been drawn by artists. <clears throat> you get the family tree. And you get men up there. Human beings. But you got pigs up there. And you got banana plants. And they all come back down here to one root. Now, if you ever watched that debate, the second debate that Ken Ham had with Bill Nye up at the Ark encounter, Ken Ham asked Bill Nye, Are we related? are, Are you related to a banana? Do you know what Bill Nye, the science guy, said? And why not? You blooming idiot! don't have any more sense than to believe that one of your great granddaddies is a banana? I mean, that's ridiculous, isn't it? But there are human beings that are teaching us and turning people to hell by lying to them and they believe the lies. I believe science, if science is real science, knowledge that we know But they don't know any such thing. What do they do? Why do they find millions of seashell fossils at the top of Mount Everest, which is about five and a half to six miles up in the air? How'd that get there? Did they accumulate over billions of years? How did Mammoth Cave get there, brother? And when the flood flooded and then it withdrew, that's when those rocks fell and the caves opened up. How did Grand Canyon form? The the Colorado River is a couple or three miles below the top. Don't tell me that that little river made... When you see a flood and it backs off, dries up, what's it leave? That's what you see in Grand Canyon. But anyway, so we got these theologians just casually writing down that even though there's a lot of mistakes in the Bible, we still believe it. Now you're a daggone heretic and then you've got no reason to expound the Bible when you believe it's full of mistakes, because you might pick up on mistakes that you don't know about. Right. How can you deny the first eleven chapters of Genesis and come over here and believe John three sixteen? Well, that's not all. Now, uh, he rebukes them. He rebukes them sternly. Uh, Bewitched. Now that word means to fascinate by false representations. Do you not think that when these preachers say that God loves everybody, God wants everybody to be saved, and it's all up to you, do you think that's not bewitching them? And when they say, oh, well, man is able, he's on his own, on his own free will to come. Rather than teaching what God says, you who were dead in trespasses and sins, hath he quickened? So, the danger of being bewitched is always present. Look quickly at Matthew 13. Verse 19, 18 and 9. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one. That's Satan. That's the devil. And catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. And there's many other scriptures we can use for that. But Satan does not want the truth of God's word heard and that's why when you get on to it, and then about then we get a door knock. And here comes family. Oh, we've come to see you. Well, we're going to church. Well, that's all right. I, we'll stay home. We won't listen to the word of God. Or here you are trying to witness somebody. Here comes somebody. Well, I go to the hospital. It used to happen all the time. And somebody's there on their deathbed. And I'm trying to talk to them about the Lord, how to be saved. And... The wife says, Oh, he's all right. He's okay. I wasn't talking to you. I didn't say that, but I felt like it. I've had that happen more than once. You quit answering for him, he's got to answer for himself. We've got to give account of ourselves before God. And your wife can't do it. And you need to give account for yourself, too. Anyway, there's always wolves. Wishing to draw away disciples. In Acts 20. You all know most of these scriptures. Paul warned in Acts 20. Verse 29. Paul says the church at Ephesus after he'd been there three years. Teaching them night and day. And I believe he meant what he said. For I know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. Now he warns them what's coming. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 real quick. Verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their works. So he's warning them at Corinth about these deceitful workers. And these are those who bewitch you, that get you in a spell. Oh, well, finally God will save everybody. No, he won't. All you got to do is look at the flood. And how many people survived the flood? Only those that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Not anybody that kept His law. And millions or billions died in the flood. <coughs> we see the natural failing of the flesh and the tendencies of spiritual ignorance. Just to let things lie. Now listen to me. I know some of you don't pay much attention. As soon as you leave here, you forget about it all. But let me tell you, it's getting up, it's getting up there close to all of us now. is. I'll tell you. Uh my next birthday, I'm at the end of it. It said three score and ten, if it be by reason of strength, four score. Ha <laughs> ha By October, I'm going to be at the end of it, (laughs) 4 score, 80 80-year-old. I'm thankful I'm still here, still going. But I'll tell you what, I'm blessed because a lot of people ain't. At my age, a lot of people are not doing it. But here's the thing. However old you get to be, even if you were to get to be as old as Methuselah, 969 years, you know what it says? about Methuselah after he got to be 969 years old. And those are real years. He died. That's why I've been in a lot of countries. And do you know what you can find in all of them? Cemeteries, unless they're all cremationists. I don't think I've been in one country that's all that. I have seen cemeteries in Brazil. Every town you go in in the United States, they got cemeteries. Well, boy, they, they live fine in Florida. They live fine in California. Yeah, but you know, they got just as many cemeteries as we do. I've been all over Europe. Got cemeteries. They're all over there because people die. And you know what? That's appointed unto man and wants to die, and after this the judgment. That's where you need to be. And if you got somebody telling you something that's getting your mind away from that, you're getting bewitched, folks. Yes. Now, cults bewitch you. Well, Jehovah's false witnesses they say, "Oh, there's no hell." Well, I believe if I believe like them, I t- think I'd try to get rid of hell too. But old Brother Walker used to say, well, I'm going to preach about hell. He said if I was going to go somewhere and stay there forever, I'd want to know a little something about it before I got there. And then he'd proceed to preach on hell. Did a job of it too. Liberalism. Oh, God loves everybody. Listen to Joel Osteen. Oh, butter won't melt in his mouth. And boy, he got fine butter in his mouth, <laughs> with all the millions he he makes. And I'm not jealous of their envious of that, because that ain't gonna last him just till he shoveled dirt in his face. He ain't gonna take a bit of it with him. Hired Hughes died. Do you know how much of it took with him? None. He left it all here. Garvis Kincaid died, had a much bunch of money. I don't know anything bad about him, I'm just saying he died. He was a he was, one, at one time, one of the wealthiest men in the state of Kentucky. Do you know how much he left? Every bit of it. And I think they're still fighting over it. Look at that uh, old man that married that big young girl, that, uh, whatever her name was, Smith. I think they're still, that, that family's still fighting over that money. He ain't got it. He died and left it. That's why Jesus said of the rich man, "All he's looking for is tear down his barns and build bigger ones." Thou fool! This night shall thy soul be required of thee. Uh, some people just get tired of standing. And say, well, I've been doing this for so many years. I think about dear sister Tiny. I don't know what kind of shape she's in now. I'm not doing too real, but I know this: as she stood with us, long time. Linda did too. Eight. Strong had a strong stand for the Lord. Don't get tired of standing, cause if you are, you got you're being bewitched. <coughs> Some of them trying to try to sidetrack you. <coughs> then there's false evangelism based on false doctrine. That's what's going on all over the only safeguard is Christ and his person and his work and that's what he says in verse 1 that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes you that are not obeying the truth but before your eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. That word means like a play card. You know, you got a protest or you're trying to promote something, and you got a big play card up there with the big words on it. And Paul said, I preach Christ and Him crucified before your eyes, evidently. Now, we're being bewitched, folks. That's why people don't have the get up and go they used to have. They're being bewitched. And Paul sets it forth in plain terms. Not vaguely. Not catching his terms. Clouding his terms. You know how some preachers do. Some way, somehow, or other, something happened. It's like that goofball congresswoman in New York. Or she's from New York. Is talking about what happened on September the 11th. When the Muslims bombed those two buildings. She's all well, you know. Somebody did something on that day, and people let them get away with that because they also are being bewitched by all of this. Uh, quickly look, Second Corinthians thirteen or three. I'm sorry. Second Corinthians three verse twelve. Seeing then that we have such hope, <clears throat> we use great plainness of speech. Right. That's how a gospel preacher is supposed to preach. Not with language that nobody can understand. Now I do give you words every now and then, but I try my best to define those terms and let you learn those terms. Anyway, plainly set forth, 28 references in the New Testament to cross. And not one of them is about a displayed symbol. If the cross is a Christian symbol, looks like we'd see some evidence of that in the Word of God, but it's not. Amen. Never has been. That's why the early churches they didn't display crosses. Paul's using great plainness of speech. He preached the cross, he didn't display the cross. Amen. But you have these bewitchers. Oh well, we're all right, we display a cross. You drive down Take Street Pike. You can see all the different so called churches out there. And every cotton big and one of them's got the same symbol on top of them. Every one of them do. You say, well, that's a symbol of the gospel. Really? Do all those churches preach the same gospel? They don't preach the same gospel I preach. So one that may be their symbol, but it ain't my symbol. And to, to convince you that it is a symbol, you're getting bewitched. And there's the whole point. And it's not where he was crucified, but what he was crucified for. Amen. Now, all that other stuff doesn't matter. Well, you know, I, you hear about this. It's in the news pretty often. Uh, the Shroud of Turin. Anybody heard of that? Oh. Well, there's people that just go google I. Over such things as that. And they'll go and they pay big money. To see the shroud of Turin. Which is supposed to be the shroud. That Jesus was buried in. And it's got a it's got a, an image of Jesus on it. Well if all you have to do is just read the Bible. You find out. Jesus was not buried in a shroud. Well the Catholic Church says he was. Well they lie a lot. He wasn't born in no, or buried in no shroud. He was buried in grave clothes. Amen. And where are they? When he arose on, 72 hours later, he left them laying right there. And even the head the head that had been wrapped up in was still had the shape of a head in it. He came out of that. Amen. Read the Bible. That's what the Bible says. Now, who do you believe? What somebody with, the, with his collar turned around backwards and a bunch of goofball stuff on his head? You believe what he says or you believe what God says? Don't tell me you believe the Bible and you listen to that kind of garbage. Well, it's all being bewitched. Now, in verses 1 and 3 of our chapter, Paul says... That they were foolish. Oh foolish Galatians. Verse 3. Are you all. Ye you all. So foolish. He said they were foolish. Uh, to leave grace. And go to the works of the law. We. Uh. Worship on the first day of the week. And we've got scriptural reason for doing that. We're not violating the law. We're keeping a Sabbath. We never did keep the Mosaic Sabbath. But we remember the first day of the week. Because that's when the early churches did it. And it's in the scriptures. Abundantly. (laughs) because that's the day that Jesus Christ arose. Um, I don't need any more more reasons than that. That's the greatest day in the history of the whole world when Jesus Christ arose from the dead. The simple gospel we began with must continue with. This is the gospel that I'm going to go to to the grave with. Unless I become a lunatic. This is a gospel that brought peace to my soul. And it will bring peace to your soul. And all who will believe it. Now. God help us. To avoid all of these things that are. Beginning to bewitch us. Put us in a state of mind that we leave the gospel of grace and we believe what the world is telling us. Here's what we believe. The world